Thanks to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool. To get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, go to harrys.com fool. That's harrys.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and it's Tuesday, July 18th. For this episode, we'll be answering listener questions. We've had a backlog of these build up over the past few months, and I promised uh, myself that after theme week, we'd start working our way through the mailbag. So joining me via Skype again this week to help answer these listener questions is SeniorFull.com contributor Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit, good to have you back. Thanks, Vince. Uh, as always, fun and great to be back. Sure, sure. So our first question of two for today comes from Levi Waddell, who's a loyal listener and big fan of The Molly Fool. Uh, Levi chats with us pretty often, and we encourage all fools to reach out with questions or feedback, either by email to industryfocus at fool.com or on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. So Levi wrote, what do you think of BKE? The Buckle is one of my favorite shop stores to shop at. The stock is down huge over the last year and has caused the dividend to shoot up to REIT territory. I know mall-based fashion is in danger, but BKE has a huge presence in denim, which never really goes out of style. With other mall-based stores going out of business, I believe this one will take market share. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, so, If you're in, unfamiliar with this company, Buckle is a U.S. apparel chain based in Kearney, Nebraska with about 465 stores. The top Five states for store locations include Texas, Florida, Ohio, Michigan, and Illinois. Buckle generated about $975 million of revenue in fiscal 2016. And as Levi mentioned, the company is known for denim, which was its biggest product category last year, making up 42% of revenue, followed closely by tops at 31%. So there you have a quick lay of the land uh, for Buckle. And to address some of the main concerns and issues that Levi brings up, it's important to note as well that BK stock is down over 35% in the past 12 months and well over 60% looking out two or three years. Uh, Asa, can you give us a rundown of how the company has performed recently? Uh, what are investors seeing in the financials and operations that they've kind of punished the stock these past few years? Vince, investors uh, haven't so much punished this stock as they're shying away from it a bit. As you and I often talk uh, about retail, everyone's under pressure who exists in a brick and mortar environment. So uh, if you look back about five years uh, at Buckle's uh, revenue, they've lost about 13% over that time. And that's a gradual decline. Investors have also keyed in on the fact that to retain mall traffic, Buckle, like other of its competitors, has had to engage in uh, promotions, that is price discounting, to keep that those customers coming in. So net profits have also declined, and they're down uh, you know, about to 400 basis points over the last five years to just under 10%. So this is a primary concern to investors. The chart does look uh, ugly over that uh, five-year time period. There are some positives, though, in Buckle. It's still profitable. It has pretty generous operating cash flow for its roughly billion dollars in sales. So it's not uh, one of these stocks which has been so decimated by Amazon.com and the erosion of, of mall traffic that it's losing money. The question is, when do these trends flatten out and begin to improve? Sure. Uh, for me personally, um, and Levi, I got to say, You'll have a hard time, I think, convincing some investors of being confident in any retailers that ultimately rely heavily on mall traffic. Uh, and keep in mind that for Buckle, uh, of their approximately 465 stores, nearly 400 of them 
are based in shopping malls, and regular listeners of the show have heard us talk about some of the struggles and store closures and consolidation for mall-based apparel chains, and even the even the anchor department stores too. But us, it's totally right. You know, there is a point where things do flatten out and potentially improve. Um, but with the numbers, I think that's really important to keep in mind for this company. Uh, you look at recent comparable sales for Buckle, down 13.5% in fiscal 2016. And obviously, uh, there's the toll that's been taken on the company's operating leverage. We've seen things trend down or in the wrong direction for profitability. Operating margins down 6.6 percentage points in just two years' time. And even in online sales in fiscal 2016, were down 5.4% to just under $100 million. So that's about 10% of the company's total revenue. And this, this weakness has continued into the first quarter of fiscal 2017. Again, down 12.7%. Online sales down another 7.2% for that period. Um, but another major bright spot um, that Levi mentioned in his question has to do with the company's dividend. The company made 25 cent quarterly payments last year, uh, and that alone would be a 6% yield as of the most recent closing price of $16.70. But the company has also been paying regular special dividends in 2016. It was 75 cents per share. Uh, in 2015, it was a dollar per share, and in the previous year, 2014, it was 277 per share. So if you include those payouts, we're looking at yields well into the double digits. Um, very attractive, uh, undoubtedly. But I said, do do these look sustainable to you? Actually, they do. At least that 25% quarterly dividend. Uh, this is in some ways an old school company. By that mean, I mean, it's been around since, I think, the late 40s, and they have a very um, conservative approach to their stock valuation. The company realizes that since revenue is declining, it has to give uh, shareholders a reason to stick around. So, uh, if you crunch the numbers, you'll find that Buckle is actually allocating about 50% of its net operating income to this regular quarterly dividend of 25 cents. And as that, as you mentioned, that share price has declined to, uh, by 60% over the last five years, it's pushed up the yield to that 6%. Then it waits, management actually waits to see what net profits are at the end of the year. And in December, they declare a special dividend, which goes up to about 90% plus of total net income. So they're signaling to shareholders that if you stick around with us, we're going to give you an appreciable total return, especially if our stock turns around. Uh, so Levi, uh, and I have to say, what a great name for our listener to ask about a denim company. Levi, there is something in here for you that is very intriguing in that the company is making a profit, it has positive cash flow, and it is very carefully managing that dividend. Now, um, Levi's question was, is this dividend sustainable? Uh, I think that the quarterly dividend is definitely sustainable. It is a fraction of uh, net income, and it's a fraction, actually, of operating cash flow. The company has no long-term debt, and it's a pretty strong balance sheet. The question is this special dividend, and I think that's what more might be in danger if the uh, trends in revenue and net profit can't reverse soon. You will see that special dividend compressed because they're following their net income uh, each year. So that's what you need to watch out for. But at a 6% base yield, boy, this is starting to look a little interesting, everything uh, considered. Yep, absolutely. Uh, again, I will reiterate the fact that on my end, I do believe the outlook for this 
company and uh, the, the space that it operates in is not going to get any less competitive, not going to get any less challenging, um, and you know that mall-based presence uh, could prove to be an ongoing uh, you know liability in a way. But uh, you know the profitability, the the close attention that management pays to the dividend um, to keep investors uh, in the stock, and the fact that it's the balance sheet and, and uh, some of the other financials for the company are still quite strong. Uh, for me, uh, I'm kind of on the fence. Um, it's something that Levi, uh, you know, will be watching here too. Uh, we haven't followed this company very closely previously on Industry Focus, um, so we'll try and provide an update maybe in the next uh, few months, next year. Um, but thanks for the question, um, and uh, we'll definitely uh, have to follow up with you soon. But thanks again to Harry's for supporting Industry Focus. I've been a satisfied Harry's customer for over a year, and that is easily the longest I've ever managed to stick with a single shaving system, because I've experimented with everything from electric razors to straight-edge razors, and Harry's has made my morning so much better. When I start my day, all I want to do is get ready and head out the door as quickly as possible, and it helps to have a routine that is simple and easy to do, even while I'm half asleep. So I dumped the electric stuff, which never gave me a very close shave anyway, and the old school razors just took too much time out of my morning. Harry's won me over with a fast, close, and comfortable shave, plus they offer the best shaving cream I've ever used that smells great and lathers like I used a brush. Harry's is so confident you'll love their products that they're offering foolish listeners a trial set for free. Just pay $3 for the shipping. Stop messing around and get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, a $13 value. Just go to harrys.com slash fool. That's harrys.com slash fool. Asset, our second question comes from comes from Shubra Garg, who wrote, I was listening to a recent podcast where you had mentioned limits to Costco's growth in competition with Amazon. I wanted to get your perspective on the collaboration between these two companies. I'm a frequent buyer at both and noticed recently that Amazon was carrying the Costco local brand, Kirkland. Uh, any comments on this collaboration and future potential? So, Schuber, you're definitely onto something here. Um, I would probably stop short at calling this a true collaboration between the two companies. Uh, we'll get uh, down to the details behind that. But first, a bit of context. So, if you're a Costco shopper, you'll know that uh, the company has its own private label brand called Kirkland Signature. It's been around for about 20 years, and it now makes up about 20% of all products at a Costco store. So, Kirkland uh, products encompass everything from packaged goods to apparel, food and beverage, even alcohol, and they're known for offering uh, high quality at a pretty good value. So, Kirkland also makes up 25% of company revenue. So, keep in mind that Costco is one of the world's largest retailers. Um, They had $125 billion of sales in the last 12 months, meaning Kirkland itself is a $30 billion Dollar plus brand, and uh, some of its items alone generate uh, annually $1 billion of revenue. So that should give you an idea of how popular and how massive this private label brand is and has become. So this reflects overall, I'd say, a trend across the retail industry with grocery stores and uh, retail pharmacies investing a lot into their private labels as well. Um, also, you know, uh, the tie up here between Kirkland and Amazon. Uh, probably has more so to do with some of the online efforts uh, and distribution from Costco. Um, but can you give us some high-level thoughts here in terms of this potential for collaboration that Schubert wants to know about? Absolutely. Uh, Schubert, your question brought two uh, song titles to my mind. Everyone, everybody Wants to Rule the World uh, by Tears for Fears and Give Peace a Chance by John Lennon. <laughs> Is this very fierce competition between two giants? Why can't everyone just get along? 
Um, what we see between these two companies, if there's cooperation, it's really, really tentative, as Vince mentioned. Mostly it's third-party sellers, uh, which are selling Kirkland um, products on the Amazon site so far, as, as far as I can see. I certainly haven't read anything about any deeper cooperation. However, it's something that Amazon might have wanted to really pursue uh, over time. But I think the window on that is closing with this uh, purchase of Whole Foods Market. Uh, by Amazon. Whole Foods Market has its own private label brand that's called 365 or 365. Uh, the thing that listeners should remember here, and I have a hard time remembering this myself, private label brands like Kirkland or 365, they're not manufactured by these retailers. They're simply great deals that the retailers have struck with their suppliers to slap their own label on products uh, and hopefully at a better margin. So if you visualize uh, Amazon's ability to take 365 private label products by Whole Foods and sell at least the non-perishable and, and uh, items which are household goods, non-perishable food items, sell them straight out of their warehouses with very few human touches. Because remember how good Amazon is at uh, robotics, uh, fulfillment, logistics. They can actually improve the margin that Whole Foods is already getting off of its own private label. and. Now that Amazon will own Whole Foods, it all hits their bottom line. So they have a very small incentive left to uh, try to do some deal making with Costco to push a lot of Kirkland products um, on uh, through, through their site. What are your thoughts uh, on that, Vince? Yeah, the big thing that stood out to me um, in, in terms of uh, seeing you know these Kirkland products on the Amazon store uh, is that keep in mind that Kirkland Signature, the the private label, it's not exclusive. In terms of where you can find those products, at Costco store shelves or obviously its own website. Um, so I, ha- I do have some numbers here for the first half of 2016. Uh, they're from data analytics company 1010 Data, and they indicate that Amazon actually, not Costco, was the biggest online seller of Kirkland Signature products with a 70% share. Again, that was for the first half of 2016. Uh, meanwhile, Costco.com came in second with a 23% share, but. As you mentioned, uh, mentioned us that that seventy percent uh, for Amazon comes from their marketplace sellers. It's not direct Amazon sales. Um, so again, it's not really that official partnership, uh, but really a byproduct of the fact that you have Kirkland, a very large, popular brand. You have Amazon, one of the biggest marketplaces on the internet, and you know the place. And this is basically where they dissect or intersect. Um, so the the prospects for more collaboration between these two companies appears. Uh, Less likely, especially with the push that Amazon is likely to make with the Whole Foods buy it. And the last note that I'll mention regarding Kirkland is that Amazon's not the only competitor carrying the private label. Even a direct rival in Walmart ends up selling Kirkland signature products through its Jet.com business. And there were some reports last month that Walmart wants to wind down its sales of Kirkland products to bolster its own private label. They have their Sam's Club, Warehouse Club, and they, and uh, its own private label is called Members Mark. So, my search this morning, uh, before coming into the studio, still shows over 200 products available on the Jet.com marketplace under the Kirkland Signature brand. Um, but there are some additional numbers here for May from Slice Intelligence and Market Research Company. They show that Jet.com has indeed reduced its share of online Kirkland Signature sales. So before it was Amazon, Costco, and Jet.com selling the most Kirkland goods. Now it's Amazon, Costco, and Google Express. Um, any other thoughts from you, Asit, uh, in terms of kind of the in, the dynamics here between how some of these competitors can kind of end up uh, just 
due to the popularity of these brands kind of come together and carry each other's uh, product lines. It's good for all companies if they can distribute on each other's platforms. When you get into a product that your typical Kirkland product, it's uh, basically packaged in a way which you're buying in bulk, often excessive quantities. And that is part of Costco's business model to get you into its store and offer you that product where you're bringing home a lot of it. Uh, that doesn't work as well online, but Kirkland has proven over the years to be a somewhat popular brand. I think Costco would do better though uh, as it moves forward to emulate Walmart, at Vince, as you bring up, they should seek to buy something like a Jet.com, although Jet.com was um, maybe the last viable uh, ret online retailer and Walmart took advantage of that. But Costco should try to copy Walmart's playbook and uh, find some ways where it can acquire more online presence. I'm not so sure that just using their own platform, they'll really be able to keep up with this aggressive pace that Amazon.com and Walmart are going out with their marketplace purchases. Amazon buying Whole Foods, Walmart buying Jet.com. Costco needs to up its game rather than look for collaboration between these two because that'll be hard to come by. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Asit. That wraps up our mailbag discussion for this show. Uh, again, remember that you can rem uh, email us at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus with any questions. Um, thanks again for your help with the questions, and thanks, Fools, for tuning in. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show. The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Fool on. <laughs>